I'm Mario Munoz, reporting for the Rio Grande Guardian International News Service. According to Nueces County Judge Barbara Canales, the county of Nueces is applying for a $90 million living breakwaters project in collaboration with the Port of Corpus Christi and other jurisdictions to create a coastal ecosystem and mitigate storm surges from coastal hurricanes and storms. Nueces County Judge Barbara Canales was just one of several important participants during a November 10th town hall hosted by State Representative Terry Canales to discuss the economic impact of the Port of Corpus Christi. Good afternoon. Welcome to everybody who's joining us today. I'm State Representative Terry Canales, and I serve as the chair of the House Committee on Transportation. And although this is not a committee activity today, uh, I have the honor, and uh, my, my office has done a great job of assembling a powerful lineup of port experts to discuss the incredible impact of the Port of Corpus Christi on the Texas economy. Uh, there are impressive things happening at the port, and I'm sure everybody will learn something new today uh, that will impress them as it has impressed me. Um, we are live streaming this event on Facebook uh, and on the Texas House of Representatives website. And so I want to thank all the members that are joining us today and my invited guests for participating in what is now called a virtual town hall. This is the second event, such event that my office has held uh, because of our constraints of COVID and not being able to have the interim hearings, uh, but the uh, Office of House Administration and Ledge Council has approved these uh, town halls, and I think they're important to help us understand what is going on during the interim. So my invited guests include Sean Strawbridge, CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi, uh, Barbara Canales, the Nueces County Judge, Todd Staples, President of the Texas Oil and Gas Association and former Commissioner of the Texas Department of Agriculture. Um, and at this time, I'm going to take a small pause uh, and invite the Corpus Christi regional legislators and welcome them and give them an opportunity to give any welcoming remarks, starting with the world, world-renowned, famous, uh, special person in, in, in all of our hearts, uh, Marine Senator Juan Chuino Hostad, Senator, um, and congratulations. Today is the birthday of the Marines, so uh, it's a pleasure to have you here and always an honor. Thank you so much, uh, Chairman Terry Canales, for having this uh, committee hearing, uh, virtual yeah. committee hearing, and, and uh, town hall uh, in Corpus Christi. Uh, for us, you know, it's uh, very important that we educate. Uh, other members in the rest of the state uh, of what a great economic engine we have here in Corpus Christi, uh, the Port of Corpus Christi. Uh, it's a great lot of jobs. It also creates, uh, especially our economy, and more important, uh, it is one of the key and first ports to ever import crude oil out of our nation uh, throughout the world. So I uh, thank you for uh, making this time to be able to hear from our leadership, Sean uh, uh our great county judge, Juan Canales. So uh, thank you very much for doing this. Thank you for being here, Senator. Um, and I look forward to this session uh, and your leadership. Uh, I, I tell people that the Senator has been a great mentor to me and, and I've learned more than three quarters of what I know from him. So thank you, Senator, for everything you do for South Texas and the amount of time and effort that you put in. Um, you are a Texas treasure. Uh, I will next start up with one of my favorite people from South Texas, uh, Chairman Abel Levero. Chairman, are you available? Yes, I am, Chairman Canales. 
And, and thank you, Chairman Canales, uh, and I'll echo the sentiments of Senator Hinojosa. Uh, the Port of Corpus Christi, is, as is noted in, in your uh, outline here, is an economic engine that serves not only in providing jobs and economic growth for our community, but the state of Texas as a whole. And logistically, it's, it's located in a, in a location where uh, it, it's an asset to not only our community, but the state of Texas and, and the country, I would argue. So uh, I appreciate the fact that you're highlighting the Port of Corpus Christi, which happens to be in the district that I represent, District 34. And so uh, I'm honored uh, for you to allow me to be able to speak and, and be along with John Strawbridge and our uh, county judge, Barbara Canales, who was also a port commissioner uh, before becoming county judge. So I, I want to thank you again, Chairman Canales, for allowing us to be able to feature the Port of Corpus Christi. So thank you. So, so before we get started, I wanted the people listening to know that um, Chairman Herrero and Chairman Hinojosa and Judge Canales and uh, Sean, we've had talked about having a, a full-blown committee hearing at one point. Uh, it was our dream to have one during the interim. Uh, to highlight the port and, and the great things that it does. Obviously, our, the constraints have not allowed us to do that, uh, but Abel and I and, and the senator and Barbara judge had, had been talking about this. And so um, it is. Uh, this is the best way we can make what we believe a dream come true uh, when it comes to meeting and highlighting the great asset that the port is. And so um, as a reminder, I'm going to remind all the members who are joining us today, um, if you have any questions to ask our guests. Uh, there's going to be a Q&A portion, so you can please type them in the private chat to Dylan at any time. Uh, and so, and before I begin, I'm going to remind all members, if you'll please stay on mute throughout the entire town hall, uh, we will get to that question and answer segment. Uh, and like I said, just go ahead and enter those into the private chat directly towards Dylan. Um, and so today, I guess I'm going to start with Sean Strawbridge. Um, and so Sean, I'll allow you to introduce yourself the one, the only, uh, and, and tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, the court, but I'll let you start with introducing yourself. Well, I want to thank you, Chairman Canales, for putting this on. I also want to thank certainly uh, Senator Hinojosa and Chairman Abel Herrero, who is our state rep for the Port of Corpus Christi, for their continued leadership, and certainly yours as the transportation uh, for the, uh, the Texas House. Uh, Corpus Christi is the largest gateway for U.S. produced crude oil uh, and uh, liquefied natural gas here in Texas uh, for exports uh, in the nation. Uh, and that's certainly a gratifying badge of honor that I get to tell the story. And it's very I'm very grateful to be in the position as chief executive officer of this 94 year old institution. You know, uh, we started out as a cotton port uh, and an agriculture port, but when Texas soon found oil uh, and gas, uh, we, we pivoted and we've been an energy port for uh, decades since the 1930s. Uh, we've got a tremendous amount of refining here in Corpus Christi. We've got a burgeoning petrochemical uh, uh, facilities. And, you know, my good friend Todd Staples, who's going to be speaking in a little bit, talks about the four P's, and I'm not going to steal his thunder with three of those P's, but those four P's are essentially production, pipelines, processing, and ports. And I'm certainly going to talk about uh, ports here today and, and certainly let, uh, let Todd talk about the importance of those other three areas of the oil and gas uh, sector. 
you know, the coastal bend remains a very attractive place for industri industrial investments. And that's really because we've got five things that really work in our favor uh, here when investors are looking to place their, their capital. Uh, first and foremost, we have a cheap, abundant supply. We're blessed with an abundant supply of energy here in Texas. Uh, two, we've got a deep draft port here at the Port of Corpus Christi, and we'll talk more about that infrastructure in a moment. Uh, three, we still have large swaths of available land for these large industrial uh, development projects. Uh, and four, we are uh, the most populated coastal city in the state of Texas. I always say Houston is not a coastal city because they brought the coast to Houston by digging out the Houston Ship Channel. Corpus Christi is a true coastal city with a population of about 500,000 in the region here. So we've got a very robust workforce of both professional and uh, trade craftsmen. We're still in air attainment. Our air shed is still, the air quality is so good that we don't have to adhere to those draconian uh, regulations that are required in some of the uh, more urban areas. And so we think that that saves industry between a billion and a half and $2 billion a year of additional regulatory and equipment requirements that they would need if we were in non-attainment. And I think that really speaks to the fact that we've really taken our environmental stewardship responsibility at the port and holding our customers uh, to a higher level of responsibility. Uh, and, and the result of that is we've still got some really great air quality. So those are really the great ingredients that have been driving our growth thus far. Uh, and we really appreciate the support of our elected delegation as we continue to grow. So, Sean, I've got some follow-up questions for you. But before I move on, I want to recognize uh, Chairman Todd Hunter, um, one of the leaders of the Coastal Bend Delegation, a great friend of South Texas. Chairman, welcome. Uh, if you want to say a few words, uh, we want to welcome you and, and thank you for being here. Your leadership is always appreciated uh, and, and your tutelage is always um, something that we, we, we adhere to. Chairman Canales, thank you for doing it. I'm so glad you have John Rainey, Chewy Hinojosa, and Dylan. I feel like I'm in the hair club for men uh, with that group right there. I just, you know, I see the Judge Canales and I see Sean Strawbridge. And of course, Todd Staples, who we call Little Todd. But uh, you got a good group. I want everybody to know Terry is technically part of our delegation. Terry's family is here. Terry's been a friend. Terry has been with us the whole time. And we're proud of you and your family. Terry, thanks for being our good friend. And I'm just glad to listen to my uh, folks here today. Uh, we work as a team in South Texas and we appreciate you. And Rainey, we'll make you an alternate to South Texas. Yes, well, I wanna welcome John Rainey as well. Thank you, Representative Rainey for being here. Thank you for those words, Chairman. Uh, I know that when we, uh, when I was had the honor of, of taking the chair of transportation, uh, you were the first person that reached out to me and talked to me about um, what we could do to help the port. And I can tell you that corporate Christie is near and dear to my heart. Uh, and I can tell you that uh, I'm very um, grateful for your leadership and, and highlighting the port to my office and making sure that we focus on one of the greatest economic engines that exists in Texas. So thank you. Thank you, Todd. We really appreciate you. Uh, so Sean, I'm going to get back to you. And um, so tell us 
a little bit about how the Port of Corpus Christi stands out among the other 18 Texas seaports? Well, we, we certainly recognize uh, all Texas seaports as being vital to the state of Texas. About 26% of the GDP in Texas is tied directly to its seaports and its navigable waterways. So we work very closely with the other 18 seaports in Texas. There are six deep draft ports in Texas, of which Corpus Christi is the second largest behind the Port of Houston. But what makes us unique is we have really led the nation when it comes to uh, U.S. produced crude oil exports. And that crude oil is produced right here in the state of Texas. We have right now about a 55% market share. And that's nationally. In other words, Corpus Christi handles over half of all U.S. produced crude oil exports uh, right here in South Texas. And we take that uh, responsibility extremely seriously. A lot of that is because of those pipelines that have been invested in uh, that are pointing from the production fields like Permian and Eagle Ford to Corpus Christi. Uh, and what we don't want to be is the bottleneck. So we are engaged in, a, in a, a channel improvement project. You know, the ship channel is the lifeblood of any port. And Corpus Christi is currently with the Army Corps of Engineers improving its ship channel. And once it's completed, it will be the deepest draft ship channel in the entire U.S. Gulf, and it will be the widest ship channel in the U.S. Gulf. Uh, now, the Port of Houston has a project underway, uh, the Sabine Natchez Waterway, which serves the ports of Beaumont and Port Arthur, Arthur, also has a project underway, as does the Port of Freeport. And we are firm advocates for all of those ports, Brownsville as well. Uh, all those ports need additional capital to invest in infrastructure to ensure that when these larger vessels are coming to Texas to pick up Texas goods and Texas energy, they can be fully loaded and fully optimized and we can export those goods in a cost competitive manner. And that's why it's so important to have the necessary infrastructure to be able to export our products competitively to our uh, trading partners and our allies overseas. So that I, we appreciate. It. That's a great response, and, and those are some uh, staggering figures. Truly impressive. Uh, before we move on, I want to recognize my friend and colleague, who's here, a member of the Transportation Committee, Representative Lee Ortega uh, from El Paso. Thank you for joining us, Representative Ortega. Your presence is greatly appreciated, and you are a credit and a, and a great asset to the committee. And I hope that we have the same team if, if the speaker so desires. Uh, so tell us um, what industries, Sean, are operating in the port right now. Well, we're certainly an omniport, uh, meaning we handle a plethora of commodities and commodity segments. Uh, certainly energy is front and center for us uh, with the crude oil and the liquefied natural gas that I mentioned. But we also do a fair amount of uh, propanes and butanes, what we call natural gas liquids. In addition to that, uh, South Texas has a large agriculture community. And so we do a fair amount of agriculture, grains, uh, primarily sorghum. Uh, we do some cotton and some other types of agriculture products through here. Uh, we also do uh, military cargo. In fact, there are military load ports in Texas. The largest is Corpus Christi from a volumetric standpoint, and that's in support of the American warfighter, both at home and abroad. Um, and then we do a fair amount of wind components. You know, Texas is the largest producer of wind energy in the nation. Uh, in fact, it produces more than I think the next six states combined. Uh, and a lot of those wind components uh, that are being deployed out in, in the, uh, the areas that have those 
those high winds uh, come through the port of Corpus Christi. They're manufactured overseas from companies like Siemens, a German company. Uh, they come here, they come through our port, and then they go out and they're deployed in various places, not only in Texas, but certainly in other places in the Midwest. And as we see a burgeoning, uh, a burgeoning uh, renewable sector, uh, we only expect to see more of that uh, in the coming years. So I, I, when you were talking about the military um, imports and stuff like that that are coming through the port, uh, and I want to thank uh, Representative Herrero, uh, Representative Todd Hunter and yourself, Sean, for organizing the, the tour that I received. I remember seeing just mass amounts of, of helicopters, uh, pieces being assembled, uh, also fan blades from the turbines. And so everything that you described, you kind of kind of had a flashback. So I want to tell you it was uh, pretty interesting for you to say it, me to remember it. So it is extremely important. People don't realize exactly it's, it's a multifaceted uh, and multi-product port, not just oil and gas. So you kind of touched on it a little bit. I want to see if maybe you can get a little more depth. But why should Texans care or, or um, so much about the Port of Corpus Christi, regardless if they live in rural or urban Texas? And how does it contribute to their lives? Yeah, it's a great question, Mr. Chairman. You know, uh, ports are waypoints. You know, we're not origins and we're not destinations. We're the in-between when we talk about goods movement. And so for Texans that live in West Texas, that are perhaps uh, their livelihoods are tied to oil and gas production, that oil and gas needs to find its way to the markets that demand it. And so it has to have uh, a fluid and safe transportation network. And that's really what ports are, is they're that waypoint. And so whether it's the West Texans that are in their, their oil and gas industry, whether it's the farmers in South Texas, or perhaps even in the Midwest of the United States that are trying to get their crops to market, uh, whether it's the American warfighter who's just been rotated back to Fort Hood or Fort Bliss, uh, you know, the Port of Corpus Christi plays a role for all of those folks. And we want to make sure that number one, we're operating in a safe manner, but number two, we're doing it in a fluid and competitive manner. And that's why continuing to invest in the infrastructure here so those goods can get to the markets that need them uh, and we can continue to drive our local economy, our regional economy, and certainly the national economy by reducing trade deficits and exporting more Texas goods. Uh, that's really what we're heads down focused on. And that's why, you know, here in, in Corpus Christi, there's 93,000 jobs that are directly or indirectly tied to the Port of Corpus Christi. Uh, what they don't realize is that there's 1.2 million jobs in Texas that's tied to the Port of Corpus Christi and its viability. About $20 billion a year of economic output for the state of Texas and $150 billion a year of economic output. And we move over $200 million a day of goods value moves through the Port of Corpus Christi. So uh, the, the folk, that, the, the fellow that's working at the Valero gas station or the Stripes gas station uh, has an indirect uh, but no less important uh, tie to the Port of Corpus Christi and our ability to move our customers' goods. So in the impact clearly statewide, locally, and on a national level, but can you tell us a little bit about the international implications of the port and, and, and those countries that are affected by the port as well? Well, we, we certainly, the United States is now the largest producer of energy on the planet um, for the first time in a long time. We are also now the uh, a net exporter of our energy production. Uh, we hit that 
mark for both crude oil and natural gas combined. We hit that mark uh, this past year. Uh, we hit natural gas actually a little earlier than that. Uh, the last time we were a net exporter of our energy production, uh, I think uh, perhaps only Chairman Hunter was uh, riding a tricycle uh, at that time. It was back in the uh, in the in the in the in the fifties, uh, and so uh, you know this has really been a uh, a great paradigm shift uh, for us. And it's only been since the the repeal on the export ban on U.S. produced crude oil, which was a protectionist measure that was put in place by Gerald Ford and was repealed under a bipartisan omnibus agreement under the Obama administration in late 2015. That really opened up our allies uh, to American energy. And, you know, if we're not providing our allies and our trading partners with a safe, steady, abundant supply of energy, there are certainly some other sovereignties around the world that will do so. Some that are probably a little more nefarious, like Venezuela or Iran or perhaps even Russia. So for us to be able to displace some of those nefarious sources of energy with our energy production and our energy exports is really something that I think has bipartisan support from a foreign policy standpoint. And we've seen that in the European Union. We've seen that in Latin America. We certainly export LNG to Japan, which is heavily dependent on gas for its economy, Korea. And now China is one of the largest offtakers of U.S. produced energy as we try to reduce that burgeoning trade deficit that we've had for many, many years with China. We think right here in Corpus Christi with our exports, we can reduce the trade deficit, the $375 billion trade deficit with China. We think we could reduce that by somewhere around 30 to $40 billion just with Corpus Christi exports. So it has a very large amplified effect on our national economy. That, that truly is impressive. Uh, so one of, the, one of the things that we keep hearing about is that the population of Texas is, is growing at an exponential rate. Um, it's scheduled to double, and by 2050, the population is going to be around 147 million. So what is the port doing to keep up with demand, and are there any new developments that are underway um, for the future of the port? Yeah, it's, a, it's another great question, and, and certainly, you know, when we look at continued investment in the different modalities that we serve, whether that's the waterways, whether that's rail, or roads. You know, we work very closely with the Texas Department of Transportation. There is a Port Authority Advisory Council of which many members of the port, including myself, uh, the port community sit on that advisory committee looking at ways that we can continue to improve freight mobility in Texas. Freight mobility is what's, what makes states and nations competitive. Uh, and we're no different. So as we look for further uh, influx of people, uh, that's great for certainly our economy, but that's a stressor on our infrastructure. So ports have to work to ensure that we've got not only the supporting infrastructure to meet to make today's demand, but certainly supporting infrastructure for tomorrow as well. And, and, and that's certainly going to uh, be something of, that we're heads down focused on. And I know the other ports in Texas will be, and certainly the Texas Department of Transportation will be as well. So moving into this set, this coming session, um, uh, you know, one of the things that's important to us um, as legislators is to ask you, what, what are some of the challenges that you see the port facing? Uh, and are there any untapped potential in the port uh, that you see that we might be able to assist you with um, from, a, from a governmental standpoint? Yeah, it's another great question, uh, Mr. Chairman. Look, 
you know, these are federalized channels. And, and because they're federalized channels, it's the United States Army Corps of Engineers that has the responsibility to maintain them to a sufficient depth from an operations perspective. But port authorities are the non-federal sponsors. We're the state agencies that have the shared cost responsibility. And what we're seeing is more and more the federal government is pulling away and appropriating less money for some of these infrastructure projects and leaving that responsibility on the states. And Texas is, is not unscathed in that. And so what we really need to do is bind together as great Texans and look for ways that we as Texans can take some of our destiny into our own hands and make sure that we're appropriating certain dollars to ports and waterways. And just to give you an example, you know, uh, the federal government gives uh, the, the Texas Department of Transportation about $4 billion a year from the Federal Highway Administration. And it's TxDOT that then uses that money to go out and maintain those roads that are federalized. In the case of our uh, tributaries, it's appropriated, the federal government appropriates money to the Corps of Engineers. And in Texas, the Corps of Engineers only gets about $200 million a year for maintenance of all Texas waterways. And yet when you look at our economic impact to the state, as I said, 26%, 26% of our 1.3 roughly trillion GDP is tied to ports. So there's a large chasm between the, the, the appropriations needs that the federal government is giving Texas and what is actually needed to get the job done. So we're gonna need to figure out ways uh, to, to attract more capital. And that may mean more public-private partnerships uh, because it's certainly private industry that benefits from these uh, investments, uh, these infrastructure investments. And we're certainly going to need to band together as a industry uh, and certainly the ports in Texas, all 19 ports in Texas need to band together to ensure uh, that we're educating the population uh, that these are proper appropriations to help improve our navigable waterways, just as important as they, our roads are as well. So, Sean, thank you for your time today. I know you're extremely busy, uh, and I know that you've got a lot on your plate, especially, you know, just listening to you. I can imagine your mind's in a million places. You do mental gymnastics all day. Um, if you if you have the ability, please stick around. But if, if you can't, we understand. But uh, I look forward, and I know that um, uh, Chairman Hunter and uh, Chairman Herrero, myself, and the Senator look forward to trying to help you facilitate the board in any way that we can. And so um, thank you again for your time. We're going to move on to my next speaker and second guest, uh, one of my favorite people, uh, the notorious Judge Barbara Canales. Judge, how are you? You're on mute, Judge. This Thank you. Thanks. I'm great. Thank you uh, for having me and what a great um, opportunity to pivot on the discussion that you and CEO Strawbridge just had uh, for myself and Commissioner's Court. You can imagine the pride of Nueces County is the Port of Corpus Christi, along with our great university and our great community college. Um, really, the economic engine of the county uh, really revolves around the port. So I'm glad to be here with you to discuss those issues. Well, thank you for being here, Judge. So as you know, New Aces County is near and dear to my heart, my family, uh, and of course, has the Port of Corpus Christi in it. And so in your opinion, what are some of the characteristics about New Aces County that make it a unique place in Texas? I know that's a softball, but the reality is it's, it, it really is important that people understand how 
beautiful a place it is. If they can't see it, at least they hear it from our, our county judge. It really is. And, and I like to be able to uh, articulate with people who really know it well, because sometimes, particularly during the pandemic, I don't know about you, Chairman, but I see the world even more beautiful now. It's like we've learned to appreciate uh, our bays, our estuaries, which are clearly uh, a unique aspect of living here in Nueces County. I always say you can be at work at five o'clock and you can be hunting in deer season within an hour or you can be, you know, uh, out on the bay, intercoastal, or if you wake up early in the morning, out deep sea fishing on a Saturday morning. We have it all here from the Gulf of Mexico and our gorgeous beaches, which are adjacent to a national park. People forget Padre Island National Seashore is a national park and it's right in our backyard. And so I think that uh, our ecosystem, a chairman, makes it just second to none. I also think the blend of agricultural, industry, urban, and rural are very special. We are neither too big nor too little to accomplish anything that we set our mind to. And I think probably most spectacular of all is our people. I think that we have the cariño of South Texas, La Familia that Chairman Hunter always talks about, but ask you know, uh, Chairman Herrero, what it feels like to grow up and be able to be in Robstown, Texas at the fairgrounds with the Junior Livestock Show. And you know, there's something very special going on here. We care about one another. And I believe that it's our duty here in Nueces County to lead by example and to forget about the things that divide us on a national level. Here in Nueces County, we live um, that united together philosophy. That makes it very, very important and very special to me. And, and I wholeheartedly agree. Speaking of the people that live there uh, in, in Nueces County, can you tell us how the port has shaped some of the characteristics of the county and those people that live there? Well, it's been incredibly impactful. Uh, let me start with community. I was a port commissioner for six years. We all come to the commission when we are asked to serve with our own backgrounds and our own philosophies. That makes it a good thing, a diversification of, of talent. But I was a community activist and organizer before I came. And so that meant I wanted to see the port take that leadership role. And it has. It has been the single most impactful organization to contribute in the world of health, safe and safety, environment, education and workforce throughout uh, our region. You cannot move without seeing the logo of the Port of Corpus Christi. So from a community standpoint, very impactful. When we were faced with the voluntary relocation program, the first of its kind in the country, it was the port who really stood up and said, we will uh, endeavor to make this the best of its kind and help people, sometimes first homeowners in their lives, reestablish themselves if they so chose. That took a lot of leadership and community. But I think uh, we would be remiss if we didn't say we've had a tremendous effect on the workforce and on the future careers of so many young people. No longer, Chairman, do you have to go to Houston or Dallas or um, Louisiana or any other major urban community to find a great engineering job. You can find it right here in your backyard. You can get apprenticeships and internships. You can do things that were not possible when I was a young girl growing up and um, wanting to uh, 
find a field in, in engineering. I think when I graduated from the University of Texas, you better go to Alaska. There were no jobs. You know, that was a long time ago. But but the point is, is that from a workforce and career uh, position, we are uh, first uh, class all the way. So I think it's been very impactful. Uh, and of course, we can't say enough about the $60 billion worth of real CapEx investment in our backyard and in our region and how that has made a major impact. We are not just a dot on the map anymore for Hurricane Alley. We are the epicenter, the epicenter for the global market, a commodities market that is um, crude oil. And we're very proud of that. You answered part of my second question, okay. so I'll move on to my third. Sure. <laughs> uh, so Nueces County is home to numerous industries, such as oil and gas, maritime, import and export, to name a yeah. few. What are some of the greatest transportation needs that your county would like to see addressed during the 87th regular session? Yeah, that's great. Well, I'm always looking to uh, expand our opportunities for roads and in basically infrastructure. Uh, look, we heard the legislative leadership loud and clear about the need to um, create property uh, tax relief. And so I'm one of the judges that I hope will be seen as having listened well and wisely, despite the fact of being under two disasters that would have allowed us to go to 8% in our last fiscal cycle, which we just finished, we just finished budget. We are under the three and a half percent cap revenue cap. That is a tremendous feat, knowing our needs. And having said that, we would like to have some, some equilibrium in that um, we, know, we know that our greatest challenge are roads and infrastructure. In order to support all this industry and all the satellite industry, we take a heavy toll on our county roads. And so I'll be looking for the same thing I was looking for last year. And this is ironic, just a hearing, just a chance to be able to articulate with specificity why a $10 transportation fee, the same fee that exists down in, down in Hidalgo and, and Webb County, to be able to, to help our community support uh, its roads without burdening them with taxes. And I know fees are not necessarily popular, but I ask you, it's not popular to have potholes either where, where hardworking men and women are having to take their tires and get them replaced because their roads are not up to snuff. We've done our part this year, investing $20 million, and now I'm going to seek a little help from our state partnerships. Um, there's many other things that we can do together, but if I had to choose one, Chairman, that one can make a big difference. And why? Because when you can create revenue stream of $3 million a year, there's approximately 300,000 cars here, we can bond on that revenue stream. And therefore, I can take care of our county in a much more a futuristic way. Uh, it's really important to marry infrastructure with growth. One can't follow too far behind the other. It just, it, they must be, uh, they must coexist at the same time. Well, I agree with you. And, and um, same as last session, I'm going to stand by you on the issue and I'm Thank hoping you. that we can ho hopefully shepherd it through the Senate and convince uh, them that, you know, your needs are real needs and your contributions to the Texas economy are significant and the use of your infrastructure is disproportionate to the amount that you, your contribution. And so uh, we need to make sure that Nueces County and the asset that it is, is taken care of. And that being said, the port's got a massive footprint. Um, it reaches around the world. 
which means all eyes are on the Port of Corpus Christi, Nueces County, Corpus Christi, uh, and Texas as a whole. And so do you have a sales pitch uh, for those people that are, you know, out there listening or perhaps that aren't listening uh, that says, you know, this is where you need to be? Uh, something that would bring new industry or, or, or a county eyeing the port to conduct more commerce? Well, I first would start by sealing the tagline uh, that the Port of Corpus Christi uh, helped uh, make a household phrase, and that is, it's all about relationships. Those are the best kind of ships around. Here in South Texas, and particularly in, in our county, we believe in the, the really our our vision statement that we are the energy port of the Americas, but we have an incredible quality of, of place here. That quality of place where CEOs would also call this home. Just this morning, Chairman, I was at a CCREDC meeting and uh, I kid you not, the name of the group is Shit Audio. I kid you not, that is the name of the group. It's from California, S-C-H-I-T, everybody. I'm not in the, in the manner of cursing. So this company came here and his CEO bought a house on the island already. Now I ask you how wonderful it is for me to be able to say, Hey, leave California. Come over here. We're the best state in the union. Come to Texas. We are pro-business. We are pro-energy. But we also believe that the best sales pitch around is the quality of our air, the quality of our water, and as I said earlier, the quality of place that we can offer to any company's staff and executives all at the same time. And we're working very hard to make it the place that your kids, my kids, want to come home to. And it starts with understanding there's a cultural component and a way of life that our kids want that we didn't know we were allowed to have. Our parents told us, go get a job. We weren't allowed to ask where. You know, these, the new millennium, these, this generation cares about where they live, how they live, what's around them. And so the projects that we have right now, Chairman, are the type of projects that are transformational from a cultural standpoint as well. So my pitch is come to Noises County where it's a great place to do business and where your relationships, again, are the best ships around. That's a great story. And as, as you were thinking about it, I, I know I've dealt with you, you know, hours and hours and days and months on end. And I know that you don't cuss, but I come from the John Sharp School of Etymology, so I cuss enough for the both of us. Uh, so, <laughs> well, so, I got a kick out of that this morning. I said, "Surely that's a joke," and they said, "No, no joke. Uh, they're making so, components right on Leopard Street, and that's the name of their business." Well, you mentioned something earlier in our conversation when we were talking about Hurricane Alley. Um, so, one of the things that we're going to be talking about uh, this session is uh, and continue to work on is disaster recovery. Uh, and so when it comes to disaster recovery items during this session as a coastal community, are there any policies or agency recommendations you think are going to help us in the future as you work with the state agencies and departments to prepare your county uh, for natural disasters? Because we all know it's not if, it's when. And so making sure that we've got the proper disaster recovery yeah. uh, protocol in place uh, is, is important. But more imperative than that is making sure that people in counties such as yourself uh, have told us what you need because Austin Austin isn't real hurricane prone, but but Corpus Christi is. Right. So so let me just say that I need to I really need to give thanks to the legislative uh, session that was number eighty six and my entire delegation because um, as a result of y'all's good work, 
Nueces uh, County has been asked to submit a full application to the Texas Water Development Board. We are one of you know, many, many applications for a watershed a basin study. This would be a master plan for drainage. And Texas made that investment. They said, we're going to put this, you know, X million of dollars, um, actually it's, it's billions, uh, you know, into uh, this type of um, opportunity so that we could get a handle on flood control. It's just so imperative. And so I would ask that you bring us back ask us from our county's perspective what our plans are because i'll tell you right when we finish the basin study that's just step one how will we get the right funds in order to acquire uh, land acquisition and be able to create not just drainage uh, uh, projects but water quality projects like the ones that we're working on with tceq and and nerda through the restore act uh, to improve petronila creek's water quality all the way to baffin bay this is where we get major wins in our community. So I would say, please keep investing in flood control and mitigation storm efforts. I also want you to know that because of federal and state agencies through the GLO, and I'd ask that you keep doing everything you can to enhance this type of, of work, that um, we as a county, one of the 23 affected by Hurricane Harvey, have applied for over $150 million worth of grants through CDBG mitigation. But you know what's really disheartening is out of all those, all that $4 billion that's come into Texas, none of it can be used for emergency operations centers. You know what I really need? An emergency operations center. You can't use it for law enforcement centers. You know what got blown away? A law enforcement center. We need to be super vocal as a state to make common sense regulations and rules. And we know these are coming from D.C., but it's imperative that we get our advocacy um, in line. So whether it's you guys talking to Tatum and Tatum talking to FEMA or whether it's you guys talking to, to HUD, we've got to get smart about being able to do the resiliency projects that will make our coast stronger. So I would ask that you, for my delegation, um, they've all given me letters of support. Uh, just so you know, uh, Chairman, if it were not for the Port of Corpus Christi, we wouldn't be able to have this strength of application. We have a $90 million application called the Living Breakwaters. And if we are successful, it'll be the first time the Port of Corpus Christi and a county, Nueces County, works with multiple jurisdictions from Port Aransas all the way to, all the way to Ingleside and on the Bay to not only create an ecosystem, a necklace of ecosystem um, by putting this, you know, uh, breakwater in the water, but it will help stop and mitigate the velocity from these waves that come on in the surge when we get these monster storms. Um, it feels really wrong in 2020 to tell you that while we had to deal with COVID, I think we issued over five local disaster declarations from tropical storms or hurricanes. And so we've got to prepare for our future. So I would say thanks for all that you've done and we need to keep making these investments um, in the state because counties can do great projects by um, by really collaborating with other political jurisdictions from cities all the way to port authorities. And uh, God willing, we will be successful and earn the right to build those breakwaters come 2021.
Judge, I know you're extremely busy, so I'm going to wrap it up with my final question um, sure. that I think is extremely important. Uh, it's my understanding that there's some discussions regarding the Harbor Bridge and a potential right of surplus issue that can also provide an economic pool for Nueces County. Are there any requests um, that us as legislators can help you with a text dot uh, in the future regarding that issue? Yes, as a matter of fact, um, let me just say this, that you were a, uh, a tremendous, uh, op well, you were just a great listening um, board for us and a uh, sounding board. And we really talked about this uh, two years ago, or right when we knew that the bridge was really going to have this impact um, in our community as not only an iconic structure, but think about all the acreage that it was going to leave behind when the old bridge came down. And so specifically, and I wrote this because I was kind of hoping somebody would talk about the right of way. And that is, is that there's a redevelopment opportunity from this relocation of the Harbor Bridge. It's really very, very singular. And local jurisdictions, the city, the county, and the port have a great stakehold here. And we think that what we really need is clarity and certainty around the fate of this um, important 40 acres. Now, some of it is going to revert right back to the port because they held the fee. But chairman, we think that we don't necessarily need legislation, but we need legislative support. We think that under chapter 202 of the Texas Transportation Code, we can have um, these um, particular acreage uh, deemed um, post-demolition, of course, um, deemed surplus, um, you know, in a fee simple, no cost deed type of situation. And so we are prepared to create a unified letter between the city of Corpus Christi, the county and the port, and share it with you as the chairman of transportation, share it with our delegation. And we have, each of us, each jurisdiction has an urban planner. And this is going to be a first. This is no fighting, no biting. This is everybody coming together to say, this is what we wish in Texas, an economic development opportunity by working together with the state of Texas. Coming out of COVID, we need to focus on our economic recovery. This is exactly the type of plan. By the way, it sits in the middle of an opportunity zone next to a, a area of blight and next to a uh, really a, a community that needs to see an investment made in it. So, so many great things to say about it. I hope during the session, people will reach out to me uh, because this right-of-way coalition is so important. Our ask would be for you all to be supportive of our efforts. And while we're at it, take a look at the opportunity that ports have to play with economic development. If you look all across our country, the ports that are the most significant, and by the way, we are one of those now, they also have a, a, a real uh, impact in economic development. So I would ask that we consider that as we go into the session, make our community stronger by allowing us to have these economic development opportunities that present themselves. It can be green infrastructure, it can do everything you want it to do with both affordable housing and retail, Think about it as the pearl by the sparkling city by the bay. We have an amazing opportunity here, and I really want to share it with you because, um, well, we're a little biased down here, but we've been a diamond in the rough for a long time. How about polishing that diamond in, the, in our next legislative session? 
And I know you can count on us. Judge, thank you for your time. Thanks. It's always a pleasure. Uh, thank you thank for being you. here. We know you're extremely busy, but you highlighting, um, you know, what you talked about is extremely important to us. I'm going to now move on to my last guest, certainly not least, um, my good friend, uh, Todd Staples, is the president of the Texas Oil and Gas Association. He's also been serving in that role since 2014. Former state representative, means he's housebroken, former state senator, and former commissioner of the Texas Department of Agriculture. Todd, uh, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself or, or you want to get right to it? Well, I just want to say thank you to you, Chairman Canales, for your leadership and bringing us together today and all the work that you do on so many fronts. It's exciting to me to see the passion of Judge Canales and uh, Sean Strawbridge and the leadership that we see out of Nueces County in the Port of Corpus Christi. When you think about the growing dynamic state that we are, Corpus is playing an enormous role. And uh, you mentioned I was house broke. I did learn that when you go into another member's district, you need to ask permission of Chairman Hunter and Chairman Herrero and Senator Hinojosa. And so I want to thank them for uh, allowing me to come into your region today. Uh, you know, oil and gas is a big part of uh, Texas economy. And um, I think it's recognized very much so in this region of the state. Uh, the Texoga members actually, uh, are, we represent some of the smallest operators in Texas to some of the uh, biggest companies in the world. Um, we're proud that the Port of Corpus Christi is a partner with us. We're proud to have partnered with Judge Canales on events in the Corpus area to celebrate the jobs and the revenue and all the good things that comes about from, from oil and natural gas. I think it's important to know when you think about Texas that Texas is home to 40% of our nation's production capacity. That's, that's astounding. Texas is home to about 30% of our entire nation's refining capacity. So it plays a big role and we're glad to partner with our legislature to uh, make certain that good things happen for our state and this industry to be the economic engine that it is for Texas. Thank you, Todd. Before I move on, I want to recognize my vice chair, uh, Representative Landgraf, who's also on, on the line with us. Thank you, Representative, for your time here today. We appreciate you. Um, so for those of us who don't know, Todd, can you explain what Texoga is and what the association does to help benefit the state of Texas? Well, we are um, we work with our member companies to promote a better Texas. And Mr. Chairman and the members that are, are here today, you, you notice that we have many great companies in the state. They're here for the long haul. They want policy that's good for all Texans because this is their home. And they really work to make that happen. Uh, Texoga members actually produce in excess of 80% of our state's crude oil production. Uh, uh, they are uh, responsible for over 80% of our refining capacity. Uh, Texoga members manage well over half of our state's uh, pipeline capacity. And so when you put all that together, you mentioned Representative Landgraf, I see Representative Rainey and Representative Ortega and others. You know, if you think about it, Representative uh, Landgraf's district, the Permian Basin, the energy capital of the world in terms of production, um, it does very little good if it only stays in the Permian Basin. So going to the Port of Christie, which is the gateway to the world, uh, really pulls it all together and makes things work well for all Texans. So you, you mentioned uh, Representative Landgraf's district. And, uh, you know, obviously we all understand the importance of oil and gas 
and industry to the Texas budget. Can you explain briefly what caused the production to slow in 2020? Um, and obviously COVID with other, with other aspects. And what is the current status of oil and gas production in West Texas since those events have taken place? So the impact that we felt because of the pandemic was both catastrophic and historic. It was absolutely when demand destruction occurred essentially overnight and the world hit the brakes on our economy, uh, we had uh, 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 the demand dropped and, there's, and the, the old laws of supply and demand, you just cannot escape. So demand dropped significantly, but supply didn't. And that's because this is a big process. You just don't stop a big ship. Even relationships, uh, Judge Gnaus, you shouldn't stop on a dime. And oil and gas continued to produce until that capacity could be, um, um, that production could be slowed down. But capacity was a big issue. And that's, that's one of the big issues that really affected the pricing because there was so much production, demand dropped, that there was running out of places to go with that product. And that's what impacted the pricing. And that's what has impacted the state's budget in terms of lost revenues. But the good news is we're, we're moving back to where we need to be. And let's, let's think about that. Pre-COVID, Texas was producing about 5.4 million barrels of oil per day. Uh, today, that number it dropped off significantly to around 4.4 million, but now it's back up to about 4.7 million. Our nation is responsible for about 13 million barrels of oil a day. That number nationally dropped about uh, to about 11 million now it's back up to. So if you think about it, the impact on Texas, as bad as it's been, has not as been as bad nationally in terms of production because we have great assets here. We've got good policies, thanks to the legislature that encourages that activity, and we've got a lot of growth. So, but, but let's think about this. Production has dropped significantly, but uh, as far as activity levels, right? The rig count in Texas was over 400 rigs pre-COVID, dropped down to about 100 rigs at the bottom of the, the trough here. But production didn't drop off that much. Why? And that's because of a thing called ducks, drilled but uncompleted wells that are brought online and we still have the capacity that we need. So we're seeing some good signs of recovery, but it is a long road. It is a, a difficult road. And I think it's it's not going to be a straight road to recovery until we see a, a full demand uh, turnaround from uh, getting the vaccine out there and getting COVID and pandemic in control. That that being said, and, and obviously with your hands in the dirt and, and knowing what the inner workings of industry are, the importance of how that's tied to the Port of Corpus Christi. What's your take on how the Port of Corpus Christi has been impacted by the oil and gas industry? Well, I think the port has been um, impacted by this industry in, in tremendously positive ways. If you look at the uh, multi-dimensional capacity of the Port of Corpus Christi, oil and gas, natural gas has been a, a big, big player in that. And you think about the refining industry that I talked about, uh, the, the, the product that's coming from the Permian Basin, the product that's coming from the Eagle Ford Shale, coming to the Port of Corpus Christi, our refining industry, our petrochemical industry, are turning that into products that are used worldwide. And they're shipping those products to consumers all across the globe. Uh, if you think about uh, the LNG capacity there with Chenier in the Port of Corpus Christi, 
liquefied natural gas from Texas, uh, the port of Corpus Christi is the reason the world's air quality is cleaner today because of clean, reliable, affordable natural gas displacing other forms of energy and, and making our global climate even better today. And that's really has the Port of Corpus Christi has played a big, big role. You know, I think some people may not understand that oil and natural gas literally forms the foundational building blocks of 96% of the products that we use each and every day. So the petrochemical industry that takes crude oil, that takes natural gas, the ethane crackers and others are making products that goes into our, our eyeglasses, uh, our tires and rubbers, our makeups and medicines, PPE, hand sanitizer. Uh, our companies in Texas responded to the call and turned production lines to make uh, hand sanitizer to uh, help fight this pandemic and the Port of Corpus Christi was front and center making all that possible. Yeah, I, I comment on that frequently to my kids. I said oil and gas touches the from the buttons on your shirt to the soles of your shoes. Uh, it's not going anywhere. Uh, but so what current developments are underway to grow the oil and gas exports at the Port of Corpus Christi? And do we know what kind of revenues those plans might generate? Well, they're not static at the Port of Corpus Christi. There are ongoing dialogues with the port and the leadership and Sean's team and the, um, the, the broad community of oil and natural gas, the broad community of petrochemicals, the broad community of manufacturing that's occurring. And there are certain things that are, that are making that possible, Chairman Canales. I mean, if you look at oil and gas today, I like to say they're not just oil and gas companies, they're actually innovation and technology companies because they are leading the way using artificial intelligence, look, using digitization, uh, and taking data analytics on how to move product more efficiently and more effectively. So I think innovation and technology is what is happening at the Port of Corpus Christi. I think another big element is infrastructure, overall infrastructure development. You know, you're the chairman of the House Transportation Committee. Transportation is to be effective for a growing economy has to be multimodal. Our roads are important. Our pipelines are important. Uh, they, our waterways, the Gulf Intercoastal Waterway is an important mode of transportation. Our, the marine terminals that are being built at the Port of Corpus Christi add additional takeaway capacity so that uh, Representative Landgraf's district can produce more product and move it out of the Port of Corpus Christi. Those are, are big, big things. I think additional tank storage is also occurring in the greater Corpus area, greater port area, and those are all areas. And all this adds up to more revenues for budget makers and policy makers like you. So pre-COVID in 2019, oil and gas paid $16.3 billion in state and local taxes and state royalties. That's, that Even Aggies like me understands that's $44 billion a day that's going to fund our roads, to fund our schools, to fund our first responders that improve our overall quality of life. And so we want to get back to that level again. Oil and natural gas represents about 31% of our entire private sector GSP, our gross state product. And so when you have the opportunity for investment, that means good things are going to be happening for you as policymakers as we get back online. 
a lot of people are predicting it may be 2023 before we get back to the production level we were. I hope that's not the case. I hope the reports of the vaccines becoming available uh, globally will make a difference and get people back to their routines and normal way of life quicker. But good things are in store, but we have to have good policies in order to make certain this investment occurs here and that we can continue to get this economy going again. Thank you for joining us, Commissioner. Um, your background and, and your insight is always appreciated. I look forward to working with you, and I know all the other members on the call. I look forward to working with you and, and industry this session uh, and working forward, uh, looking forward to helping what we can do to help the Coastal Bend and the Port of Corpus Christi um, not only expand as quickly and as safely as possible because it is an an economic engine that is incomparable in almost in all aspects. And I think it's important that people understand that. And that's why we're here today is to lay some of those things out. So thank you for being with us, Commissioner. Um, I want to thank all the members. Uh, that's going to conclude this town hall. Thank you, the guests that are here today and folks tuning in live stream. I hope everyone stays safe and healthy. May God bless you. God bless Texas and God bless Corpus Christi and the Port of Corpus Christi and God bless Todd Hunter, Abel Herrero, Juan Chuinojosa, and Barbara Canales, Sean, all of you guys stay safe. I'm Mario Munoz reporting for the Rio Grande Guardian International News Service.